Hey guys, this is Georgia with Ancient Aliens and you're listening to that one time I was abducted by aliens with Jamie and Bree. Hey, my space brother and sisters. Welcome back to another episode of that one time I was abducted by aliens. My name's Jamie. My name is Bree, and we're two sides of the coin. Hey Bree, what's up? What's our episode about tonight? We're going to get into our dreaming phase two. All right, what specifically? We're going to talk about lucid dreaming. Okay, and what the fuck is lucid dreaming? Lucid dreaming is when you become consciously aware while you're in dream state. Mm. Have you ever been in a dream? Mm -hmm. And during your dream, all of a sudden you have this thought, wait, I'm fucking dreaming right now. Totally. Your conscious mind becomes aware that you're in a dream. Okay. So like you're you're waking but not like awake in your body, you're awake in your mind. Yes. Okay. But it's weird actually that you say that because I feel like you're in a middle zone. So not like sleepwalking. No. You're fully in your dream. Okay. So you're like in a deep REM sleep, but like your inner conscious wakes up and you're like, wait, is this a dream? Exactly. So if anyone has a subtle thought to themselves wait, is this a dream? Anything like that. That's lucid dreaming. When you become consciously aware while you are dreaming, then you are lucid dreaming. Okay. A typical lucid dreamer will become aware that they're dreaming. And then there's either a series of thoughts of, oh shit, what happens next? And then you wake up or it's, oh shit, I'm dreaming. What can I do next? So here's my question then. So like theoretically in a dream, you have control over all of it. So, like, you're dreaming and, like, you're... Lucid dreaming or normal Normal dreaming. dreaming. Normal, normal dreaming, you don't necessarily have control over that. You don't think so? Absolutely not. That's lucid dreaming when you wake up and you realize you're in a dream, you have control. But when you're in a normal state of dreaming, you're just going along with the punches. Maybe I have a lot more lucid dreams than I think then. So then... Why don't you describe to me what happens on a typical dream for you where you think that you have control over your dreams? Where does that begin? Oh, man, that's hard because I think it's different with every dream that I have. Like one thing is is I don't remember a lot of my dreams in general. Even like if I wake up in the morning and I have my dream journal, I wake up and I have no idea. Like I don't I don't remember much. But I think that what I remember the most I'm going to assume are my lucid dreams because those are the ones where like I physically feel like I'm doing something inside of them. So like for an example, I have a recurring dream that I'm on a boat and the boat is a giant maze that I'm going through. And like weirdly enough, I have like my cousin Kevin with me, which is like weird because like we're not close or anything. But for some reason, he's always on this fucking boat with me. And we're like a team and we have to figure out how to go through this boat to get out to wherever it is we're going. I don't know what we're running from. I don't know what we're running to. The only thing I'm aware of is like this puzzle of a boat that we're trying to get through. And I can remember it because I can remember consciously making decisions like which way to go. In a normal dream, I feel like it's just me watching myself in the dream, like doing whatever's going on. Whereas in these dreams that I really, really remember that feel really real, I'm the one saying, no, go to the right, no, go to the left, no, open that door, no, go through that window. So it's not just me watching myself do stuff, but me consciously making a decision to look to the left or look to the right. That's interesting. Well, then maybe next time you do that, you could have the thought, am I dreaming? And then you would just choose to get to the end of the maze. Mm -hmm, Maybe. 
I've never been to the end. I wake up before it happens. Right. So if you're in control of that and you realize that, then you can have the thought, we're at the end. And you could get to the end of the maze. Interesting. But maybe it's not about the end of the maze. That's the point of the dream, though. Because I've always felt like the dream is more like working through shit. I'm thinking that could be the difference of a lucid dream. Like when you're consciously aware of your dream. Because I feel like right now... If you were to think that you were in the maze, that you'd be like, I'm at the fucking end of the maze. Mm -hmm. See, I don't think that because in my dream, like, yes, the goal of it is getting to the end. But like the end isn't what's important. It's about what's going on through it. And that's what I remember the most of. So maybe it's not a lucid dream. Maybe. You're just very aware during the dream state. Or you that's something that you need to remember. And that's why you're holding on to it. Maybe. I feel like when something is really important Mm -hmm. for you to know that you will remember. Yeah. Because a lot of the times people that do report not being able to remember their dreams when something really significant happens in their dreams you remember that's the shit you fucking remember so i will say that the majority of the dreams that i remember all have like mazes or puzzles involved with them so that's a very significant symbol for you okay what do you think that could be Oh man, so many things in all honesty that I don't I don't necessarily have it pinpointed down to a certain thing. I think that if I had to boil it down and take like a, a lesson from it, what I'd say is that life is about the journey and not the destination. Everything is always a struggle if you make it a struggle. I got you. Like the maze is only difficult if you decide that it's difficult. It's not difficult if you just walk through it. Do you think majority of the dreams of you and your cousin going through the maze? Only on the boat. I only have him on the boat. He's only oh, on, the, on boat. the boat. Just on the boat maze. Do I have you... other mazes where like, I have this one maze where like I'm in a house and I find a secret door and it leads to like other houses that are underground and then I have to go through all these different houses to try to figure out where the fuck the end is. That's another weird one that I have. Lots of doors to go through. Do you think a lot of it is difficult or do you find that in a lot of these dreams that you surrender no difficult difficult yeah i think that what i should take from it is that i should surrender and i should stop fighting and just let it happen but they're always all of my dreams are always very puzzling there's always like some obstacles that i need to get over in order to get through the end of it and i always find myself never finishing the dream because like my alarm will go off and then i wake up I never like wake up in the middle of the night from a dream, but I definitely will be dreaming and then like my alarm goes off so the dream ends. Interesting. And I never get conclusion. I never have a conclusiveness to what was going on. It's always like I'm forever in the middle of a story. I don't know the beginning. I don't know the end. I'm trapped in a circle of like the chaos of the peak of the climax. I don't want to put this in the podcast, but I think it's interesting that you say that because one thing I hear from you a lot is that you feel like there's always something that comes your way. Always. You'll be doing all right for a while and then something happens Mm -hmm. and that's like another hurdle for you. Yeah. And then you have to kind of conquer that hurdle and then you're going again and then something else else will happen and then you Mm -hmm. have to conquer that so it's interesting to see the similarities between your everyday life and the symbolism Mm -hmm. of your dreams oh yeah it's incredible how much they have in common i've realized that so many times that i realized that my my dreams have so much to do with my real life and like the context of it doesn't isn't important to me like it doesn't matter that i'm in a boat it doesn't matter that i'm going through houses at the end of the day It's the same dream, but just a different location. And those are the dreams that I remember so vividly that 
feel so real, like I'm so awake inside of them. And those are some of the only ones that I ever remember. Like I'm sure I have dreams about like puppy dogs and shit, but like that's not the shit I remember. On your puppy planet. On my puppy planet, exactly. The shit that I remember is the part where I feel like it's taking a toll on my everyday life. Like I'm not just leaving it in my dream, I'm taking it with me. Maybe because it's a reminder of how you feel in your everyday life and the things that you really have to endure. I mean, I really guess it just kind of depends on what you think dreams are. I mean, everyone, I think, has this different conclusion of what quote-unquote dreams are like just regular boring old dreams not Mm -hmm. even saying lucid dreaming just dreams in general you know scientists like to say oh it's you know it's neurons in your brain that are like firing off and they're getting rid of all the things that you saw during the day like you know the information that you don't need to keep and it mushes it all together so you get like a weird dream of shit that looks familiar but doesn't look familiar or you take dreams in a more literal sense like me or you would and I don't necessarily think it's just my brain firing off shit to forget I think that it's stuff that's active that is being brought from my subconscious forward for me to acknowledge. I think there has to be a balance between random shit that we come across and then we dream and you're like, well, that was fucking random. But I also think a lot of it, like you said, are things that are kind of lingering in our subconscious Mm -hmm. and they're brought forth for you to see because maybe we're not addressing it in our everyday life. So it's like, check this out. I'm wondering then if my crazy dreams about like my ridiculous puzzles that I have to go through are trying to teach me some type of lesson that I just can't fucking figure out. From an outsider's perspective. Tell me about it. I feel like when there's a conflict, you definitely might address it, but maybe emotionally in a certain part of you also dodges that. 100%. So maybe because you're trying to still do your Jamie thing and have it all together. Mm-hmm. Constantly. Constantly. That because you're not taking it head on, that your dreams are like, deal with this, deal with this, deal with this. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's well known, especially if you listen to every one of our episodes, that dealing with emotions is not something I'm good at. I think that I've started to become better at it within the last year. And I've addressed a lot of things in my life. But I definitely think that my subconscious is constantly trying to get me to deal with things that I refuse to deal with, absolutely. On so many levels. So the question is, could it be so black and white to where when we're dreaming, it really is just random garbage? Maybe some things that we're harboring in the back of our mind. Or could it also be a mixture between that plus a little bit of us venturing into other realms? What I've realized from some of my dreams that I have is I personally feel like it's two completely different places when I Mm -hmm. dream from when I'm on earth say to me personally what it feels like when I'm like lucid dreaming or having these really crazy dreams where I feel super awake in them I feel almost like I'm on like a parallel universe that it's still earth I'm still like earth and I'm still Jamie but all the circumstances are different trees don't look like trees houses don't look like houses it's like a tipsy topsy turvy world of basically what we have here but just slightly different Mm -hmm. like you know instead of trees being trees there's giant flowers that are trees and flowers are the sizes of trees and like you know everything's everything's different and weird but it's still fundamentally the same i'm still dealing with the same issues i'm still me i'm just in a different space it's interesting so i read this story about a institute it was like o-o-b-e they were doing a study trying to convince lucid dreamers to come across aliens while they're lucid dreaming instructed okay okay you're gonna fall asleep 
when you become aware in your dream, make contact with aliens. Okay. UFO sightings, alien sightings, seek the aliens mm-hmm. and meet them. And a lot of people... And these are experienced fucking people because I think it takes an extremely experienced lucid dreamer to be able to be like, I'm going to bed and I'm going to realize it the mm-hmm. second I fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot do that. Mm-hmm. I personally cannot pick and choose when I'm going to become very lucid in my dreams mm-hmm. or have an out-of-body experience. And a lot of these people were lucid dreamers and active OBE people. These people were able to wake up very quickly mentally while they're dreaming, have an out-of-body experience, or some of them were just becoming very lucid in their dreams, and, okay, find the aliens. And then they would find themselves in different situations, and they would come across, like, a craft or an alien. Alien. And all these stories that I read were very different. But what really disappointed me is in the end, the conclusion of this study was that people that report alien abduction scenarios are really just having incredible lucid dreams. And because this was repeatable with person after person after person, it just proves that what people are going through with alien abduction is really just an extreme lucid dreaming experience and it's something that they're fabricating in their mind based off of like movies and different types of literature that they've read. And their mind believes it to be real so they come out and, and they're they like, it's so fucking real because this is it's real. so lucid to mm-hmm. them. And that really upset me because it's still coming down to this, really it was a sentence that was at the end of the story like this gives proof to the fact that what this is really meaning is all of these abductions are just a fabrication of the mind and what the mind can produce pretty much everyone's just fucking crazy because y'all are really expert dreamers so here's the fucked up part of it you turn it the other way around instead of saying that this is an experiment that happened and that you can fake people into thinking that they were abducted by aliens They found a different fucking avenue to contact aliens. I was going to say, why is it not that you just found the magic formula to open up portals in order to talk to aliens? Exactly. And that's what really disappointed me is because I thought that was a very narrow-minded way of coming across that. That's exactly what I thought. I thought, no, it's coming to a different frequency mentally plus having the intent to make contact. That is the number one fucking word is Mm -hmm. intent. Intent. One, you're raising your vibrations Mm -hmm. and your consciousness if you're able to become awake in your dreams because Mm -hmm. it's really difficult. Two, if you can do that on command. Mm -hmm. Three, your intent to make that contact. And four, to be able to produce that. Do not tell me that that is a fabrication of the mind and that people are just crazy. Why don't you think of it as a fact of consciousness is so layered And the way that we think of it is so structured in this box and you're really just trying to stuff what everything is into, it's the fabrication of the mind, it's just the fabrication of the brain. No, what if it's more than that? What if you're actually tapping into a different frequency? Like, hey guys, I want to meet you. And they're like, oh, finally, you're kind of fucking smart. So that's, Show up, here so we are. we only, what it sounds like to me is what's happening is science is only examining things in three dimensions. Absolutely. The three dimensions that we're aware of. Instead of being open to the possibility that they could be looking into a different dimension. So it's not necessarily like our body is still here, our minds are still here, but we've turned off our bodies, we've opened our minds, and we've gone into a place that we can't physically get to but our minds can. Mm -hmm. 
And instead of saying, this is a possibility, let's just fucking kibosh the whole thing and say, it's not real. It's all just made up in your mind. And that was, like, so sad to me because when I read a lot of the story, I was really, like, this is fucking awesome. How is it that they do a study and all of these people can do this? Whether or not some people were fucking scared, of course, there's a lot of people. I think that's a normal reaction. Mm -hmm. You come across something that's different looking. We've talked about that several times here on the podcast. So whether or not they took it as a negative experience it's still the fact that most of them if not all of them were making contact in a certain form that is awesome i understand that certain people will take that as no that's proof that you're literally making shit up in your head Mm -hmm. you're seeing it and you're thinking that's real but like you said what if we flip that what if you're consciously making that interaction with them and they're meeting you halfway i think that that brings it back to something that we talked about really early on on this podcast when we were talking about eyewitnesses aren't the best witnesses in the world right they're like statistically the worst because they don't remember shit so if your mind is able to make up all this crazy shit then who's to say that like when somebody comes out with something like a repressed memory years later and they're like, God forbid, I was kidnapped and raped as a child. And, you know, my my subconscious pushed it down and I woke up at 32 years old and remembered it all. If we're taking that same science from the study, then I can just look at that person and say, well, your mind just made that up. There's no proof that any of that happened. You're just making shit up in your mind and your mind thinks that it's real, so you think it's real and it feels real to you. That's an excellent point. It's really sad that we only take things into consideration when we're awake. I agree. People only think in the structure of, if I'm awake, if I see it in front of my eyes, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. But why don't you consider if you're asleep and you see it in front of your eyes that's equally possible you know I have a lot of people who ask both of us about like what we think about dreams do we take stock in dreams if you have a dream about something does it like trip you out or whatever and like yes and no it's kind of both ways for me there are the everyday mundane yeah people and situations that will come across in your dream and then there's also really extraordinary things that could happen in your see dream. but that's the stuff i'm interested in is that extraordinary shit that you can't explain i think if it feels extraordinary or it feels real to you then it has to harbor some type of significance i, I agree with that I will say that I do believe that your dreams are another way to contact extraterrestrials. Much like meditation, it puts you in a deep, deep state that when you're physically awake that you can't necessarily reach sometimes. A lot of people who tell us about their dreams that have to do with aliens, me and you immediately are like, no, that, that probably happened for real. Like, that's not just a dream. We like, fucking fact that shit. We do not sci-fi We that do not shit. sci-fi. No, and not I even And I don't think it's because we're biased. I understand that it might come across that way. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with ETs in general that there's such a fucking thread with them and us that dreams are just an avenue to contact us. I agree. And because it's so different to come here in the physical that's more complicated. And not only that, but I really think that our psyche would shut down 
a lot of us, we, we energetically cannot handle that. Yeah, I was just going to say, there's like this big difference. Like, okay, so like if an alien walked up to me right now, we'd both probably be like, uh, and not know what to do. Yeah. But in your dream state, when you think you're quote unquote dreaming and nothing can happen to you, your mind opens up a little bit more. So if an alien walks in front of you, you're not immediately just stricken with fear. You're kind of like, all right, well. Are you what, Carl? What what are you <laughs> what are you doing here, buddy? Well, well, let's, let's have a, you want a beer? I got a Coors Light in the truck. You want to take a drive? Yeah. So I think that that what people neglect to understand is that ETs might be approaching us in our dream dimensions because it's easier to communicate with us Mm -hmm. than it would inside of our earthly dimensions. Yeah, absolutely. We're easier to communicate with and I think we're less resistant to the reality of their existence Mm -hmm. because a lot of us will come, you know, in the morning and say, was that just a dream? Was that weird? Was that interesting? We still have that question in the back of our head. Some people are going to throw that to the back like, well, that's garbage and that was fucking weird. And then the rest of us might think about it twice. And then a select few of us are going to be like, holy shit, I made contact with my fucking starseed guide. So it's just easier. I think maybe what I've realized in talking to people about dreams when it comes to talking to extraterrestrials is what really seals the deal for me is how they get out of the dream. Hmm. What gets me and what I've realized is a lot of these people who we talk to and like an example is not your pastor's podcast when we're talking to them. Oh, excellent. You know, when he said that he would he would tell us about all these different dreams that he had, but there was this thread that ran through all of them at the end of all these things. His wife was always pulling him out of the dreams. Basically, he without wasn't, him realizing it, yeah, though. Yeah, he wasn't waking up on his own. It was it literally his wife would, like, go and put her hand on him, and he'd wake up and be like, well, hello. Like, it always had something to do with some type of anchor that the person has here on Earth that draws them back out of it. Mm-hmm. So it's and, – and that's what I've realized in a lot of people who talk to me about their abduction dreams, quote-unquote dreams, you know, is they always say, like, you know, my dad woke me up my sister my wife my husband my child like it's never like i just woke up and the dream was over it's always someone bringing them out of it interesting i don't know have you realized that when you talk to people about abduction stories who have about dreams though maybe i mean even yours have you not before though like who really wakes you up from them nobody ever wakes me up i wake up on my own really i do have experience of trying to wake other people up and i can't wake them up Mm. and then i'm scared because no one wakes up when I ask for help. But are you talking about in your dream, though? Or are you talking about know. in real life? At that point, the, the lines are so know. blurred that you have no yeah. idea. I yeah. just know that there's many instances where even when I'm sleeping in the same bed that I can't wake someone up when I want them to wake me up. I was going to say, I you've told me a story before about you trying to wake up Josh. It's it, happened, like, a lot of times. Yeah, and it wasn't. You didn't know if it was necessarily a dream or real life. It was that weird in-between that you have. But it's, where like, it's, terrifying because mm-hmm. you think, like, if something's going to happen to me, at least if I'm lying here next to someone, like, they can... And then when there's no response and it's like, holy shit, that's what's scary. Mm-hmm. So I can't Realizing relate. that being alone is not necessarily about having walk, somebody next to you. No, yeah. yeah. I feel like I walk this path alone. It's just how it is. And I think it's it makes me a strong person. It's what it is. Well, you know what? Uh, we're space sisters, and so whenever you're on the ship, I'm probably there too. We just don't remember. Um, <laughs> so remember, it's only a very short distance until we f- see each other again. So I know that they've done more than just the one experiment with 
putting people inside lucid dreams to Mm -hmm. talk about abductions. I looked a little bit at some other studies that they have, and I guess what I really didn't understand about lucid dreaming that I understand now is that how scientifically driven it is. Yeah. When people think of, like, dreams, lucid dreams, or, like, out-of-body experiences, it kind of wavers into the woo-woo-y side of science, and it's not always something that can be studied and measured yeah and have data and stuff and so I was watching some YouTube videos and it was interesting to see that all of these scientists who are really into lucid dreaming how easy it is to recreate lucid dreaming for most people they do something as simple as you know here's this signal that I want you to give when you're deep inside your lucid dream so I know what's going on. And then they do that thing. And then when they come out, they can describe perfectly exactly when they did this signal and everything matches. Yeah, they use, I believe it's called an fMRI Mm -hmm. machine, which measures the blood flow and areas of the brain. Mm -hmm. So then when you're awake, they could do something like pull on your weenus and then they can visually see parts of your brain that light up Mm -hmm. when you're doing that. With them being able to measure that over and over and over again, then they can say, okay, when you're going into your lucid dream, plan to pull on your weenus. And then they can do that when they're dreaming and they can see, they can measure those images back to back and see it's the exact area in the brain that's lighting up when they're doing those certain things. Yeah, and I think you were talking to me this morning about how, you know, they'll send two people into a lucid dream together. Yeah, and that is like, whoa. Yeah, and they say, okay, you guys are both going to go to sleep. You're both going to go in a dream, and I want both of you to meet each other. And then you said, like, one person has to tell the other person a secret, and then when they wake up, Mm -hmm. they have to say whatever it was, and it totally works. And that's really interesting because then you get into the whole concept that two people can go to sleep and have a dream where they actually are meeting each other somewhere in a dream realm, in a dimension, wherever it is. And if it's not an actual location, that's even stranger to me because there's a part of your consciousness that's connecting with another person's consciousness and you're going into this weird state together and then you're able to trade off information. Well, I think it kind of goes into uh, telepathy. Yeah, it might. So like, you know, people who have really strong mind connections, like I can say there's times where me and you, I mean, we don't even have to say anything. We know what each (laughs) other's thinking. And maybe part of that is us spending a lot of time together. But I think a big part of that, too, is both of our consciousnesses are just so interlocked with each other that we don't necessarily have to think about things. We have that telepathy where we could just kind of communicate with each other non-verbally, but we know exactly what the other person's saying. And I also find it a little interesting maybe the similarities between lucid dreaming and virtual reality which I was talking to you a little bit about this morning and how interesting it is that what virtual reality is doing in essence is trying to mirror lucid dreaming but on just a, a different scale and so it's interesting that you know they write all these codes you put your little VR thing on and then you're in basically a dream world yeah where you're conscious and you can move around and you can do things and you know they don't have the technology yet where you you can necessarily sense and feel what's going on or like talk and communicate how you would in a lucid dream. But it's interesting that with more and more research I did, the more and more I found it to be very similar to virtual reality. And it makes me think like, is there a way that we could, you know, hook people up to a machine and when they're lucid dreaming and get all that information and find a way to write it into a code to make, you know, virtual reality more realistic? That's really scary to me. Is that? 
Maybe it's virtual reality is for people that can't lucid dream. It's like, can't lucid dream? Try VR. You know, I, I think that that's a super good point, but I think a lot of people wouldn't look at it that way because I don't think a lot of people know about lucid dreaming. Hmm. I think a lot of people are doing it without realizing that they are. Oh, for sure. But of course, there's people that haven't heard about it, and there's also people that don't believe in it. Yeah, well, like I was telling you earlier, I have a lot more lucid dreaming than I think I do. And I didn't realize it until I really really started studying a lot of these videos about lucid dreaming. You know, and one of the, the ways they say to induce lucid dreaming is to wake yourself up, you know, like let's say three-fourths of the way through your sleep. And then that helps it because you, you're waking yourself up in your REM state, which is the most, you know, important part of your sleep where you're having the most dreams and if you wake yourself up in the middle of that and go back to sleep you can theoretically go right back into that REM state without any interference Mm -hmm. but you can go back into it being aware because you've woken up and I've realized that I have some trouble sleeping at night and I would frequently wake myself up in the morning before I would be getting up to go to work and I realized that I would be in a dream I could wake up fully like awake in like the real life And then I could be like, oh, no, I can go back to bed. And I would be able to close my eyes and immediately insert myself back into the dream that I was having before. But I knew it was a dream and I knew I was going back into it. Mm -hmm. And so I had been doing that for a long time and never realizing that that was lucid dreaming. I was just I I think in my head I was just forcing myself to finish the dream, (laughs) not realizing that I had much more control of it than I realized. It's interesting that you say that because... We're hitting these REM states at the end of certain cycles. And so they say that after six hours, Mm -hmm. that that's really one of the peaks that your REM sleep could be. So if you wanted to try this, and we can get into different ways that people can try to attempt this at home, that's one of the tools would be to set your alarm clock, say an hour before you're going to wake up normally. And so, say you've already had your six hours of sleep, so now you're hitting your REM real deep. Now you set the alarm clock so you're waking up. The key is to not have your phone too far so you can kind of like, you know, eyes half open. So you're you're waking up, but you're still so tired that you just turn your alarm off and you go right back to sleep. You've hit that window mm-hmm. where then you can go into deep sleep while also maintaining a bit of awareness. Mm-hmm. And so that is a big key and a lot of people tend to have those lucid experiences at that particular time. And not only that, but not realizing that they're doing that. Right. Because like, you assume you're just waking up too early or, you know. Yeah. And like I said, I've I've been having my problems with my sleep and I've been doing that for such a long time. And I really didn't even understand that I was lucid dreaming until I did research. And I was like, oh, my God. So now I'm like, I want to wake up an hour early just to <laughs> see what happens. There's a lot of different ways and techniques that people can use to get into lucid dreaming. One of the biggest things I heard was, you know, the waking yourself up three-fourths of the way into your sleep or whatever. And then another way I heard is, you know, just consciously telling yourself before you go to bed that you will lucid dream. Mantra. Mm-hmm. Yep, you pick a mantra. It's a few words and you chant it. You keep saying it over and over and over again until you're just gone and then you wake up and you're there. Yeah, you're pretty much setting the tone. You're putting the intent that that's what you're going to do and you find yourself falling asleep while doing it and then bam. The third technique that I think is going to be one of the most powerful ways would be to do a reality check. You can do this in many different ways. The key part in here would be to throughout your day, 
do something to check in with yourself. So some people will rub their hands together mm -hmm. throughout the day. So if you wanted to get really crazy, you could set an alarm clock. Some people that are super into this, they're gonna set an alarm clock like every hour to remind themselves, do a reality check, rub your hands together. Mm -hmm. So the point is, is that you're doing something in repetition throughout your day to check if you are awake or not. And eventually when you're in your dream state, you're bound to pick up those same habits. So then you're in dream state and you rub your hands together and then you realize, oh shit, I am dreaming because mm -hmm. maybe your hands dissolve. Or another really strong technique I actually hear frequently is people will try to put their finger through their palm throughout mm. the day. So you're trying to stick your finger through your palm and you're, oh no, finger's not going through and you're doing that so often, you're getting in your dream state and you end up doing that and then maybe your finger does go through your hand. And you're like, oh, holy shit, this isn't real anymore. So you find something that you can do throughout the day frequently just to say, am I dreaming or am I not? And you have to really take it seriously because if you don't take it seriously, then it's not gonna happen in your dream. Well, yeah, it's all about intent at the end of the day. You put that kind of intent out there. So if you do it half-assed, you're gonna get a half-assed result. Yeah, and it with repetition because mm -hmm. you're creating such a habit in yourself that if you're doing something multiple times a day, it's just bound to roll over into your subconscious mind while you're dreaming. Well, I think not only that, but just really paying attention inside of your dreams too to what's going on. So one of the experiments I read about, you know, the guy was at this sleep clinic and he goes into his his lucid dream and he's lucid dreaming that he's inside of the sleep clinic and a nurse happens to walk by and like literally pulled all the covers off his bed and was like, what are you doing? And in that exact moment, he was like, that's not very professional. This must be a dream. Because he realized that there was no way that in real reality, somebody would do that. So the act of somebody in his dream ripping his blankets off woke him up to be like, oh shit, I'm in a dream. It's one thing I believe to say, I'm going to try to remember. That's really difficult. Mm -hmm. But I think if you try in your waking life to do something to check in with yourself, to obtain as much awareness as you can in your waking life, you're going to obtain more awareness when you're dreaming. Yeah, for sure. I read this crazy statistic like 20 to 30% of the population lucid dreams. Oh, that's what I heard too, like a crazy number. So, I mean, it is a crazy number, but that there's also a really big slice of people that aren't doing this. Or there's a lot of people who are and they don't realize, realize that. Realize it, that's mm -hmm. very true, yeah. But I just think in our everyday life, we tend to just kind of go with the flow, not in a peaceful way, but more like we're turning our senses off. Mm -hmm. We're not present most of the time. You know, maybe we're driving to work and we're completely in another land mentally. You don't even know how the hell you got to work. Happens all the time. It's little things like that. You're just, you're not maintaining your presence very well, your awareness isn't all the way up. It's very low. So mm -hmm. if you try to maintain your awareness and stay present in the moment as much as you can throughout the day, that rolls over into your dream. Yeah. And I think that because lucid dreaming is so scientifically proven, I think that maybe that might make it a lot easier for people to actually lucid dream. Absolutely. Instead of knowing like, oh, this is just some, you know, hippie shit. Like, no, 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 this is real. It's science. Your brain can do this. So I, I would definitely suggest that everybody try to lucid dream and I think that lucid dreaming is a big step in the direction of astral projection and astral travel absolutely because I think that once you can figure out lucid dreaming that opens up so many more avenues for your brain 
I hear crazy stories of people that develop skills in their dream Mm -hmm. while they're lucid dreaming Mm -hmm. and it carries out through their waking life. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is incredible. The reason scientists are so digging into lucid dreaming and trying to figure out what's going on is because it opens up a possibility that you're not just awake during the 16 hours of your normal day. That time constraint of our quote unquote, you know, 24 hour day period is shattered when you go into a lucid dream. Mm. Because if you can go into a lucid dream and remember what somebody whispered to you, then you should be able to, you know, practice your typing skills. So then when you come out of that lucid dream, you're better at typing. And not only that, but a lucid dream time goes by way shorter than what we would consider a normal hour. So, you know, they say wake yourself up an hour before you're supposed to so you can hour long lucid dream. Well, when you're in that hour long lucid dream, it feels like 10, 20 hours. It's not like a little (laughs) adventure. It's not like you click your eyes and you're there. Like when a lot of people are in these deep lucid dreams, there's no construct of time or earthly time in that that sense. I would definitely put it more on like a, a galactic scale of time. So, you know, if you can lucid dream for an hour every night and you could, you know, practice baseball but in your dream time you've practiced for eight hours so you wake up and you have another eight hours under your belt of practicing something how awesome would that be yeah and that's a big thing so a lot of a lot of reason these scientists are doing that is because they've realized this useful tool that oh no your brain can be off and it could be sleeping and you could be resting and you could still be doing more that's incredible also scary too to imagine like like what if what if we all end up lucid dreaming and then we have lucid dream jobs that we have to go to you know what i mean oh like like you have to work when you're awake and you have to work when you're sleeping yeah like imagine that's like the scientologist like you know that billion year contract maybe that's part of it like they they're like you sleep you scientology when you sleep too oh that's fucking scary i don't like that shit see i'm down to pick up french but i don't want (laughs) to have to pick up the rest of my work I didn't get to finish that day. Well, I mean, imagine it, though. Imagine, like, you know, 50, 60 years from now, the leaps they could have in lucid dreaming and the things that people could be doing with them. You know, they might find a way to chemically induce lucid dreaming so you can go into a clinic, you get poked with a needle, and all of a sudden you're in dreamland. I don't like the direction you're going with this. But you have to remember that (laughs) that's the direction of our society, and that's where they will take it, you know, whether or not we like it or not. Of course, there's always something useful that gets taken advantage of and it's used in a negative way. It's just the balance of life. Or what about in your in your real world, you're a vegetarian, but in lucid dreaming, you can have all the meat you want. Damn. You know what I mean? And you then can so live then a you, double life. Yeah, you could balance your. Or what if you have like a whole other family in your dream world? What if you like <laughs> married with six kids? You go to Disneyland every day because you could do that lucid dreaming. And then that begs to the question, I think. To cap this whole lucid dream cherry off is if we can achieve lucid dreaming for long periods of time, does that mean that we will no longer live in reality and that we'll only live in lucid dreams? Mm. Because in your lucid dream, money doesn't matter. Sleep doesn't matter. Time doesn't matter. Materials don't like, you know what I mean? You would have to be in your sleep would have to be induced because eventually your body would wake up. Oh, for sure. But that's why it walks that line of virtual reality because, you know, a lot of people want to go into virtual reality to get rid of this world we live in. Well, the power is in your mind already. And if there's a way for science to, like, really harvest it and understand it even better than they do and manipulate it and use it in a way, 
it almost borderlines that matrixy thing where like you're in the quote unquote matrix, but instead of being the matrix, it's just your your dream consciousness. Inception. And so you get hooked in to your brain. They knock you out like a light and then you spend the rest of your life in your dream world where you can do anything and everything and nothing matters. We could be living in a dream world right now. We are currently a part of the matrix. So there's a glitch. There is a glitch. I see glitches all the time. So do I. So that's really creepy, and it's really fun at the same time. I think everyone should try it. I think we're going to try it, too. Yeah, I've been we trying. We both already yeah. lucid dream, but it would be fun to see where it takes us. Maybe we will have to think of something that we need to conquer and then see if we can eventually do it while we're lucid dreaming. All right, so here's here's what I'm going to put out into the world, and everyone else can join us if you'd like, but we'll start with me and Bree and if everyone else. So if you ever find yourself in a lucid dream, what I want you to do is I want you to fly to Disneyland, and I want you to meet me at Space Mountain. Space Mountain? Yeah. Cool. Specifically. Okay. Inside the ride? Outside? No, outside of the ride. Like okay, we're all like gonna right out front. Yeah, like right out front. So anyone else who listens to this, if you have a lucid dream, I want you to lucid dream yourself to Disneyland. And you should see me and Brie there waiting for you. I think even if you were to say, I'm gonna meet Brie and Jamie at Space Mountain, I wonder if that could create a space to pull us there if we oh, weren't sure. lucid, lucid dreaming. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm thinking. Crazy. All right, I'm into it. Let's do it. So every night... Plan. Before you go to bed, I want you to say, I'm going to Space Mountain. And then doze off. And whether you do it, either whether you remember or don't remember, I want us all to collectively meet at Space Mountain every night for the next, like, four months. Ooh. And we'll see how many people we can get there. That would be awesome. Okay, plan. Plan. I'm into it. All right, our intents out there, we've put it into the world, and you guys come intent with us. I'm down, Jamie. That's a really good idea. That's lucid dreaming for you guys. And as always, do your own research, look into it, and let us know what you guys have found out or if you guys have lucid dreamed or, you know, what your guys' thoughts are and all that shit. Yeah, Jamie. So what do we got next? Is it that time? It is. Oh, Lord. All right, here we go. It's uh, Factor Sci-Fi. Did a Discovery Channel treasure hunter find a UFO under the Bermuda Triangle? Oh, shit. Dun, dun, dun. How the fuck did he get there? Okay. Explorer Darnell Mikos has been using secret maps created by the famed NASA astronaut Gordon Cooper to find shipwrecks in the Caribbean. Sick. And so when he was down there and he was, like, scoping some shit, this is going to be very reminiscent of the Baltic Sea anomaly. Ooh. But he, he has a TV show. It's called, like, Treasure Hunters on the Discovery Channel, and he goes and he looks for, like, all these shipwrecks and stuff or whatever, and it's always, like, a ship, and they find cool stuff. Well, this time, they found some shit, but it wasn't a ship. And they think it's a UFO, or a USO, to be exact. And it's this huge dome structure, very reminiscent of the Baltic Sea anomaly. And they say that there's like all this coral grown over it, like 500 years of coral grown grown over it. So it must have been there for a long time. And then they have these weird like protrusions coming out of the dome that look metal, but they're covered in all these barnacles and stuff so they can't see. And you don't want to necessarily knock off barnacles off some shit because they're like living creatures and whatnot. Very true. And coral is endangered. Exactly. So they can't really like scrape down and look at exactly what it is. And so there's not too much information about it yet because they haven't released the episode, of course, because they're like teasing for it. But I found it very interesting that we had Discovery Channel, Bermuda Triangle, a Baltic Sea anomaly type thing and a NASA astronaut all in one 
makes my little ears perk up like, Oops, skirt, what's, what's going on here, guys? So I'm gonna have to, although I kind of said the Baltic Sea anomaly is probably nothing, I think that there might be something in Bermuda. Really? Yeah. Your verdict is? I'm gonna fact it. Nice. I think that they did find some type of submerged UFO, USO. Whether it's from space or not, I have no idea, but I think that there's something down there that's definitely not man-made. Like when I look at the pictures of the Baltic Sea Anomaly and I look at the pictures, the very few pictures that they do have of this Bermuda Triangle, I'm kind of like, all right, I, I get it, I get okay, it. Okay, so this is based off of a picture. We don't have the we full information. We don't have full information yet. So this is based off of one picture and then maybe also just your want for it to be true. Yes and no. So here's the thing though. So the the Bermuda Triangle is a strange place within itself. So I agree. whenever you throw the Bermuda Triangle into something, I'm immediately in cuz it reminds me a lot of the Bermuda Triangle that's here off the coast in California that we're really close to hmm. that has a lot of weird things down there. And there's been plenty of sightings around the Bermuda Triangle of UFOs. So you put two and two together, I can't necessarily say that there isn't a UFO under there. Where during the Baltic Sea anomaly, it's not like we have a ton of witnesses coming out saying, I saw a UFO over the ocean in Sweden. True. Whereas with the Bermuda Triangle, it's like every other day people see some shit and stuff goes missing. So I'm a little more inclined to fact Bermuda Triangle than I would Baltic Sea. Do you think that this USO is alien technology? It's a fine line when we talk about USO, UFO, because that's just saying it's unidentified. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this is an alien craft? Yes. Okay. I don't know necessarily want to say alien technology, quote unquote, because I have a feeling that whatever UFOs are currently crashed here in planet Earth, we probably have that technology already because it's crashed here and we've studied it in some way. So I assume it's not like we're going to be finding something new, like, oh my God, there's a UFO that has new technology on how to fly. Well, it's still be an alien technology from a long time from ago. From a long time ago? Yeah, for sure. I would, I'm absolutely. And so that's on that, I'm going to fact it. So you think it's alien in nature? Yes, I think it's alien in nature for sure, especially coming from Bermuda. And alien, paranormal, that's a thin line when you're talking the Bermuda Triangle so I don't know which way it goes, but definitely something not earthly. I think I have to middle bitch. Okay. You got to wait I for more info. Yeah, I, I I'm you. not one, I'm not swayed one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I do believe that weird shit's in the Bermuda Triangle. Mm-hmm. I think that's just unavoidable. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So I leave space for something strange to be there and also for something normal to be there. I wonder what it will take to find out. Because if they can't chip off some barnacles, they can't crack down some corals, then how are they supposed to know? Do they just have to wait? I That's, I think, what we're going to have to wait for the episode to come out and, I guess, see what they see. But it, you have to remember, it's going to be very reminiscent of the Baltic Sea Anomaly. They're going to throw this huge claim out there. And then at the end of the day, they're probably not going to give us that much information. Not say shit. Yeah. And what information we do get is probably the information that's already out. Yeah. And you know it'll what I mean? just be the end of the episode. Exactly. So I think that that makes it a little bit hard because you don't you don't really know what you're getting in the long run. I'll stay tuned. Keep me informed. I will absolutely say that, um, unfortunately, none of our Patreons have said anything about our Factor Sci-Fi this week. So we don't have any Patreon updates. Although if we do, I'll keep you guys fucking in tune to what's going on but that's just three middle bitches i'm a fact it you guys look into it does the bermuda triangle have fucking 
aliens under it. I don't fucking know. I leave it open. We'll see what happens. Hey, Brie, I feel like I really just need, like, some wisdom in my life. <laughs> Do you think that there's, like, yeah. maybe something you can throw at me? To I just, feel like, that I conjure something. Like, yeah, you could just enlighten me for the day. All right, let's get into the conscious quote of the day. I might hit you with two. All right, I'm down. Give it's it by me. the same person. So, All right. you know, how I like to go. So both of these quotes are going to be by Alan Watts. Who's the- Alan Watts? A genius. He's a philosopher. Okay, perfect. The meaning of life is just to be alive. It is so plain and so obvious and so simple. And yet, everybody rushes around in a great panic as if it were necessary to achieve something beyond themselves. Second quote. What I really am saying is that you don't need to do anything because if you see yourself in the correct way, you are all as much extraordinary phenomena as nature as trees, clouds, the patterns and running water, the flickering of fire, the arrangement of the stars, and the form of a galaxy. You are all just like that, and there's nothing wrong with you at all. What I like about that quote is I think it always brings us back to mine and your theme of that what happens on Earth at the end of the day really doesn't matter that much when you're talking about ourselves and our consciousness and our souls that we're just currently being housed in an earth-like apartment (laughs) and when we move on to bigger and better things they'll be somewhere else in a different area and we'll forget all about the earth shit that's here maybe if we conquer this if that's very true we might be stuck in that weird cycle where we just keep ending up back on fucking earth again and i think that's a choice that you make yourself but that's another story what it reminds me of is back to the concept of us being human beings and not human doings it's just lovely to live and we spend so much of our energy trying to achieve these titles and these things that we consider notches on our belt like look what I have look what I've done I've done this and this and this and this and this what are you doing with yourself I think it's back to that same concept and it's that we're just fabulous human beings let's live in the moment and stop trying to reflect our worth based off of what we have or what we have done I agree with you on that when you know that I'm the biggest proponent like my biggest irritants in the world is when you meet somebody new and they ask what do you, what do, you do, do, do for a living <laughs> why does it matter who gives a shit how about you tell me like what what is it that you create what is it that you're contributing to earth and society and co- higher consciousness like I don't give two fucks if you worked at McDonald's if you fucking work at Walmart if you don't have a job and you just hang out on the corner like getting money from people as cars drive by Although, side note, they make homeless people make a shit ton of money. They make like $30,000 a year. Oh, Lord. I know. It's crazy, right? Anyways, so I'm all about you on that one. I 100% agree with you. All right, Brie, let's get into our uh... shout outs. Shout outs. All right, let's start shout outs off with our patrons. Because we would not be here without them. We're super excited about. So we have at the skeptic level, Jan from the Good, the Bad, and the Just Plain Standard podcast. And then we're going to move on to our second tier. Truth Seekers. Shout out to Shayna. Who's my mom. Jamie's love you. mom. And Destiny. At Destiny from Space. Love you, boo. And one of our very wonderful friends who's like <laughs> always messages me and is like, do you guys have more content? I need more to consume. So sweet. And I love that. So Simon, who is also outro version on Instagram and on Reddit. Yo. And then we'll go up to the next tier. Our middle bitches. Middle bitches. Which we have Raya, of course, per usual, who we love always. And Scotty at Scotty Doodle. 
Also, for everyone who's on the list so far, have you gotten your packages in the UK that I sent to you? Let me know if you did. Our last middle bitch is gonna be Bobby, who's our new friend from Not For Everyone podcast. You can find him on Instagram, at pinballbobby, or you can find the podcast at, at Not For Everyone podcast. You can find him on like iTunes and SoundCloud and all the shit. I assume they're everywhere, so are we. And then I wanna give one final shout out here to our newest patron, Adam, who is actually Bobby's co-host of Not For Everyone podcast. And Adam was like, fuck your skeptic, truth seeker, and middle bitch categories, I'm gonna make my own. (laughs) So he is a skeptic slash truth seeker. He's blazing his own trail and I like it. Exactly, and Adam, in addition to being on Not For Everyone's podcast, he also on Wednesday nights hosts a Wednesday night love line out in Texas. That's right. Yeah, and you can find that um, on kzsm.org at 10 o'clock on Wednesdays. So you guys listen to that too. I'm sure sure they would appreciate the listens. And make sure you guys go check out their podcast. So it's called Not For Everyone Podcast. And they review like horror movies, like old horror movies, foreign horror movies. And they have a really good banter back and forth between the two of them. And it's really cool because I would never imagine watching any of these movies that they watch. So it's kind of cool to get like an hour long like screenshot of of it because I feel like I watched it too. And they have really good radio voices, I have to say. They do have really good radio they voices. They really do. Yeah. I like that. So now we have our usual suspects. Let's start out with Brian Jackson. Brian Jackson. I love you. Brian Jackson, I love you. Refer to our private messages because I'm angry at you. <laughs> we do miss you, Brian Jackson. We do. Uh, and speaking of that, let's shout out two schmucks and a mic. Brie won't shout him out. <laughs> Reese letting it roll Uh, because Brian Jackson doesn't give no fucks yes Brian Jackson was on their latest episode which you know of course I listened to and halfway through every episode that Brian Jackson is on on Two Schmucks and a Mic he talks about me and Brie and shouts out our podcast he's like our unofficial mascot oh yeah because he like runs around he's like everyone look at this go team go team exactly what I loved is that Two Schmucks although they love us very much, are very irritated that Brian Jackson mentions (laughs) us every episode. And I really think they're sick of the free airplay. Most likely. But that's fine, because you know what? I'm going to keep giving you plugs as long as Brian Jackson goes on your podcast and gives us plugs. Hey, it's a trade-off. Also, we miss you guys. We haven't talked in a while. Hit us up. Let's chat. We miss you guys. Shout out to Mike Barra. Hey, Mike Barra. Shout out to Oscar at OzCat408. Shout out to Veronica at Ollie B and her daughter at Callie Girl. Oh, hey. Everybody at Moonplay Cosmetics. You guys should definitely go check them out. They got some cool stuff. And Ashley at MomBucks. Oh. How's your new house? I know that you moved and you're all settled in. You should send us your uh, new address so we can send you some stuff for the house. At Wilkmore. At Weather Tradition. AP. We love you. John Perry at Designs by Perry. Love him, Mr. John. Drew at One Gram. Hey. And our favorite, Lee. Lee. From the Covert Nerd Podcast. Make sure you guys check that out. You guys can find it on iTunes. I know that he's on Spotify now. Podbean. He has a really good radio voice as well. Yes, fuck yes he does with all those 800 children. And Benji at Benji Loves You. Hey, Benji. I miss you. Uh, Shout out to everybody at Not Your Pastors Podcast. We love you. You're still in our lives. Remember that. I know we don't talk every day, but we'll talk soon. And Mike from the Great Geek Refuge Podcast. Mike, my love muffin, you beautiful little soul. I love when you DM me. Hey, Shay at Shay Needs Yoga. Look, we said her name right again. Yeah. At author Mike Sims. And shout out to like our favorite human being on earth. 
Andy. Andy, love you. We love you. We hope that you come over one Friday soon so we can see you because we genuinely do miss you and your beautiful little face. And she's going to be so excited for our next episode that we'll be releasing. Oh my God, that we can't tell. Oh, we said we'd give a hint. We might, but wait. Yeah. And our last person that we're going to shout out here. Cody. Hi, Cody. I believe that he's going to come to contact with Bobby this year and it's going to be so fucking legit. It's going to be just raging. It's going to be an awesome time. You know what, Cody? I'm going to give you some advice. Don't base your trip on going with Bobby because I have a feeling that Bobby won't come. So just buy your ticket anyways. Just pack a sleeping bag. Yeah. Just get a room. We'll find one that maybe joins with ours. Oh, yeah. Because it's going to be a fucking party again. We're going to rally up all of the homies. And hopefully some of our listeners can come this year too. Isn't a joke? I plan on me and you and Josh at least rolling another 10 people deep at all times. Oh, I know. At all times. It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait for that. Even though it might seem like, oh, it's a year away. Trust me, it creeps up on you. You get used to waiting and then all of a sudden it's here and it was the best time of my life and I hold the same expectations for this year coming up. I think it's even higher this year because now we we know where everything is. We know the location. We're in with people. Like, we are going to be on our game. I will probably admit, though, we will plan to go to 800 lectures and go to two of them. (laughs) We get caught up in a good time. I don't know what to tell you. We really do. So we promised you guys last episode that we'd give you a little bit of a hint about what's our upcoming episode's going to be about. So here, here's my hint. We're doing an interview with a person. A special person. Who was at Contact in the Desert. He was. Who we have pictures with. We do. Raya and you chatted up for a little bit. Yep. And we're going to be interviewing him about his movie that's coming out. Yeah, we are. And it's going to drop on a Tuesday, just so you guys know. It's not going to be a regular Friday. It's going to drop on a release date for this movie coming up. Yeah, exactly. That should be enough hints for you guys to know who it is, but we won't say it. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love you all. We love you you dearly. Everybody who supports us and, you know, hits us up, make sure you guys hit us up on Instagram at that one time I was abducted. Shoot us an email at that one time I was abducted at gmail.com. Go like us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the fucking social media world. The world. Exactly. We love you guys so much. Have a great week. Fuck you, Mountain View, California. Fuck you, Sky. Fuck you, Sky.